Ask the Podcast Coach for July 14th, 2018. Let's get ready to podcast. There it is. It's that fun-filled music that means it's Saturday. It's time for Ask the Podcast Coach, where you get your podcast questions answered live. I'm your host, Dave Jackson, from the School of Podcasting.com. And joining me right over there, it's not Jim Collison. He's off marrying one of his kids. Now, wait a minute. He's not marrying his, yeah, his son's getting married. And uh, so I said, hey, you know what? Who I haven't talked to in a long time, who's like one of the coolest dudes on the planet ever, is the one and only Steve Stewart from stevestewart.me. Steve, how's it going, buddy? It's going well. You know, those Oxford commas come in really handy when you say things like, Jim's off marrying one of his kids. So make sure you place the punctuations in the right place so nobody misunderstands what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, how you been, buddy? I've been fantastic. I'm just rocking away over here in my podcasting studio, which is actually an editing bay, which is AKA the basement of my house. And uh, that's I'm it. Loving life, man. It's fantastic. Yeah. Geared up for podcast movement. There's a lot going on. You going to talk about that today at all? Or are we just going to move into the content? We can do, we can talk about whatever you want. If you have a question, you can come out to ask the podcast slash live. Or if you want to pop right in here into this, little video thing, uh, feel free to go out to askthepodcastcoach.com slash join and uh, get your podcast questions answered. And people are like, so is this like free consulting? And it's like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And how long have you been in this since when? You've been in it a long time. Uh, started my podcast in 2010, retired in 2015, and then started editing for a living in January 2016. So about eight years, seven years. Yeah. Seven to eight years to total. What's the, so you work from home. Yes. What's the, uh, what's the pros and cons? Cause some people are like, oh, I think it'd be so cool to work from home. What's, what's the reality like? I don't want to oversell it, but it's incredible. I was, we're doing a complete juxtaposition here though, because what I was doing during the day job up through 2015, I was on the road a lot. I was going from state to state doing different things. I was an internal auditor. So I had to visit different locations every single day. Sometimes I'd have to drive four hours a day just to get there. It's ridiculous. Now I don't drive anywhere. In fact, I've got a 20-year-old used vehicle I paid cash for. I put maybe 8,000 miles on it a year. And that includes maybe one or two long trips if I drive to a conference out of state. So really, I get to be home all the time. Now, the downside, a lot of people say, oh, is you see your family too much? Mm, I missed all that. So I'm, I'm catching up. Catching I'm up. playing catch up right now. But it's awesome. Yeah. My You're, daughter goes to work or school, depending on the time of year. And I go upstairs at noon to, you know, have lunch with my wife. She also gets to work from home. And nice. then we all meet for dinner at six o'clock. And so it's a very casual arrangement. Very nice. That's very cool. Yeah. You're like me. Like I'm actually driving to podcast movement and I'm excited because my longest drive is my brother's house, which is 17 minutes away. Other mm-hmm. than that, everything else is five minutes here. I live right near the mall. I, it's like, so yeah. And that's why bike. I, yeah, and I have a bike. Yeah, that's actually, I take that back. Today, I will bike to, there's a, um, I, I live in Ohio, and back in the day, there was uh, the Ohio Erie Canal. And what's really cool is they have paved where the mules used to walk to pull the canal boat. And it's now this really cool bike path, and you're surrounded by nature and all sorts of uh, fun stuff. So, yeah. but, but uh, let's talk about, you did a cool Facebook post and I, now, huh? yeah, we're just going to jump right in. Uh, do you have that link by any chance? I do. If I'll say it out loud to anybody who's listening. It's stevestewart.me slash sponsor partnership. 
stevestewart.me slash sponsor partnership. And if you want, I can put it in the chat room. I'm going to say, if you could there. throw that in the chat room, that would be awesome. I'll give me actually, you are. It's going to redirect them to, I, I, I'm kind of split between two websites and I really need to just fix that, but that'll take you to this blog post. It's called sponsorships equal partnerships. Otherwise they're just wasting time and money. And why do you think that? Like what, what's driving, what, what, what uh, inspired you to make this post? I will tell you about the inspiration. All right. So I work with Philip Taylor, also known as PT. He is the founder of the FinCon Expo. It's the financial blogger conference now known as the Money and Media Conference. This will be our eighth year. Working together with him on a few things. One of them is we do a podcast. So he is in there occasionally, but the host is Joe Salcihai from Stacking Benjamins. He's also very involved with the whole FinCon, uh, what do you call it, culture. And I do the editing and uh, production. Joe is in the middle of moving, so it gets really difficult for him to actually get sit down and record these pieces that we need to put the show together that involves an interview that PT did. And of course, I'm the last place that it goes. Now, we get the sponsorship for this episode, and it is literally a 30-second radio commercial. Mm. First time I've had something like that come by. And both Joe and I are like, this is just like throwing money away. There's so many reasons why sponsorships for podcasts have to be partnerships. And that's what this article is about. Not just because it's a, of this pre-produced radio ad that we're using in a podcast, but because of all these other reasons that podcast sponsorships just aren't working the way that everybody envisions that they want them to. Yeah. Do you know if Joe has had sponsors that have approached him that he's, he's then had to turn down? Oh, I'm sure he's turned down sponsors for Stacking Benjamins. Yeah. His show. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he has. He's very, there's a different, here's the dichotomy. Now let's use a different word. The difference between a good sponsorship and a bad sponsorship, if you're the host, if you're the podcaster, in my opinion, the difference is the podcast host can't, well, let me start over again. The difference between a good sponsorship and a bad sponsorship is a partnership, is is some kind of a tie-in with the host or with the genre of the show. Uh, in the article that I wrote that I, again, put the link in and you can go to stevestewart.me slash sponsor partnership. That is, uh, there's a piece in there that talks about, it's got to be a, a connection somehow, whether it's exactly a match for your audience. Uh, one of the things I said was mid-rolls for detached products. Detached products meaning they have no association with what the show is about or the audience. Mid-rolls for detached products and services interrupt the listener experience. And I know that we all can point to an example like we're getting into listening to the podcast and then they broke for a commercial break, you know, selling legal services on a Hulk fan podcast. is just throwing money away <laughs> and it makes listeners angry and you don't want to see the listeners angry. That is true. And that'd be like if we broke right now to do a I'm trying to think of something that just wouldn't fit. Casper mattresses. Yeah, Casper mattresses. Now, now those are there are people that are going to argue and go, yeah, but everybody sleeps. And I'm like, mm, but it's yeah. They my, came here to ask the podcast coach questions, and we're selling them a mattress. Yeah. Now, if you were to then jump in and say, hey, I just bought a Casper mattress, and this is what it's done for me. There's a tie-in. Right. There's a semi-partnership there. It's a you know you've got a testimony, and that is one of the things that's going to help to make this sponsorship actually legit. Yeah. What's interesting is I'm in the process. I keep saying this. I I do baby steps on this. I want to rewrite my book, more podcast money. 
And so I was like, I need some, I need some real life examples of this. So I started having sponsors on the school of podcasting. Cause normally I don't, cause that show basically promotes me. I'm, I've already got a sponsor. And in doing that, and this is where things get icky. I was approached by friends who have said, I want to sponsor your show. And there's a guy named Derek Sivers who started in, in, uh, made tons of cash on cdbaby.com. He's kind of more of a, he's, he's actually, he made a boatload of cash and then gave a ton of it away. He's what's that word? Philanthropist. Yeah. Philanthropy. Uh, Yes. That's like a, that's a 50 cent word right there. And, um, but he has, he has a philosophy and pardon my French, but if, uh, if it's not a hell yeah, it's a no. And so I've had people like, had somebody approach me about uh, promoting their speaker. Like I, I, if you want to be a speaker, come take my class. I'll show you how to be a professional speaker. And I'm like, mm, you know, some of my audience might like that, but not all of them. And I'm like, mm. so it's kind of weird. I've, I've done some things. And like right now I have Chris Curran's podcast engineering school. And going back to what you said, I'm taking the class. I was like, okay, it's a tie into that. So it is a little odd, but I, I do hear sponsors at time and especially pre-recorded stuff. My, my favorite on when the sponsor gives the bullet points is I actually got the microphone I'm using right now an RE320 through a barter with um, Electro Voice. And they sent me over these bullet points and it was like cardoid, ninium, whatever word. They got into the super geekiness of, of the inside of the microphone. And finally I had one of my listeners email me, said, Dave, um, I have no idea what you're talking about when you read about <laughs> this microphone. And I was like, yeah, how about um, it's nice and warm and clear. And if you move your mouth around it, it doesn't, you don't have that proximity effect. And that's about as geeky as I wanted to get proximity effect. And, uh, because you know, your audience and they don't very cool. Yeah. I agree with you. I've, uh, I'm always amazed at, uh, I'm always excited when I hear a new sponsor come on, you know, when somebody's like today and you're like, Oh, here comes ZipRecruiter or here comes stamps.com. And they're like, no, it's, you know, Betty's baffles. And you're like the what, the who, you know, it's like, Oh, somebody else is, you know, coming in. Now, let me ask you this question now. Are you going to be as attentive to that ad because it's new and it's read by the host? Or are you going to tune out because it's a commercial break because we've been conditioned to skip ads with, you know, DVRs and, and all that? Or are you really waiting to hear the ads because the way that the host presents it is, is interesting, it works, it fits, you know what I mean? I'll point again to Joe at Stacking Benjamins. Part of his show is is really based around having fun talking about money. Right. So he will make really bad transitions from whatever they're talking about into sponsorships. I mean, it's a complete train wreck. And you listen because it's funny. You know, but there's the mid-roll in the middle where it, there actually is a break. You know, he has a, a, a strategy to keep people through the break. Right. But it's a different approach into the sponsor breaks. I'm actually more entertained by the pre-roll which is, you know, 15, 20 seconds saying today's show, you know, we're being bought by blah, blah, blah. Then the 90 second mid rolls that actually then really promote the heck out of the, uh, the sponsor. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I think the way it's read a lot of times, uh, I've been, I, I've been listening to Jordan Harbinger and he, one of his sponsors is HostGator, and he has his bullet points and he hits the bullet points, but he usually throws in something to make it entertaining. Cause he's tired of saying, you know, you need a website basically. And so he always spikes it up a little bit. I used to listen many, I mean, we're talking early days of podcasting. There was webmaster radio and a lot of times it was about WordPress and all this other stuff. And I would listen 
in some cases, even if the topic, like they're talking about CSS, and I'm like, okay, that's the last thing I want to learn. But I will listen because I learned about so many products because they had really good sponsors that fit their audience. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't know there was that blah, blah, blah. So that's, that's another key. Um, and then I've heard of people, Ray uh, was doing the tour thing with, oh, I want to say God Save the Pod, but that's not it. It's a political show. It's super duper popular. You talk about Ray Edwards or Ray Ortega? Ray Ortega. Big yeah. our space. <laughs> Ray Ortega. Um, Pod Save the Queen. That's it. I uh, think. Yes. Yeah, it's a political show. And they'd be doing live shows. You paid to get in. And so they weren't going to do any ads. And he said the audience would be like, come on, do Squarespace. You know, because it became part of the show. It was content. It wasn't just an ad. It was content. And that's really important with anything that you do in your show, whether it's, you know, reading ratings and reviews. Right. Intense. We can get to that later. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You know, anything like that. Just if you can make it content, then, hey, the walls are down. Let them in. That's it. Well, you you said the hint. We were talking. I always go out to different Facebook groups in the morning to find different questions and things that are people are talking about. And I guess the thing that I'm trying to figure out is by the time somebody gets to a Facebook group and they ask the same questions over and over and over, but it's interesting that people are coming in with what I feel is bad information. And I just want to know where they're getting that from. Like, because we, we see the same thing in every Facebook group, like a guy this morning and I just went, uh, he said, Hey, I just left my Podomatic Pro, which right there is not my favorite choice of media host, but at least he was paying for it. You know, they're, they're okay. Uh, I left my Podomatic Pro account and I moved to Anchor. It's free and I love it. And I just was like, oh, you know, and then you, you feel like, do I really want to take the time to say, and I did, I said, hey, just so you know, most free media hosts in my travels, there have been about five over the years, go out of business after about 30 months, if not sooner. And then somebody else said, hey, they own your content. And it was just like, I always want to go, where did this person, like, I want to go back and reverse engineer where, like, his path to where he was to, like, what did you type into Google or, or whatever? Because there is, there's so much advice. And, and some of it you just feel is, like, everybody knows SoundCloud is not a good idea. But yet there was somebody today that said, I finally decided to leave SoundCloud because it sounds like you guys don't think it's a good idea. And we're all like, yeah. <laughs> Surprising they're still around, actually. I'm yeah. really kind of kind of glad, but then, you know, if they don't turn it around for podcasters, I think we are going to see that that shoe drop. I think it's a problem with, it's definitely education. There's so much you need to learn about launching a podcast, but it doesn't take anything to launch a podcast. You know, you can do it, but you don't necessarily have all the tools in the first 10 days, unless you do something like School of Podcasting, take your course and walk you through step by step. So they're going to be getting free information from social media, from other people that they know. And everybody's raving about the newest toy, which over the past year has been Anchor. Yeah. The year before that was SoundCloud. So that's why we're still hearing this is because it's still that, I don't want to say echo chamber. It's really not an echo chamber, but they're not searching for what's wrong with using Anchor. They're working for what's the best podcast uh, you know, hosting service. And people are still talking about the newest thing, which is you know Anchor. That's it. Well, here's how you can make a million dollars in podcasting. You ready? Ready. You come up with a system so that people can know exactly how many subscribers they have. Because that seems to be something else as I was sniffing around uh, this morning, that people 
are just like, is there any way I can know exactly how many people are subscribed? Whether it's follow, how many people follow me in Spotify? No, there's no way to do that. Or how many subscribers I have in Apple iTunes or uh, podcast, take your pick, whatever you want to call it. Um, and the answer is no. No, you can't. You can go into podcastconnect.apple.com and you can see how many subscribers or what percentage I think of subscribers you have. I can't remember. I'd have to go in and look. But the answer is no, basically. And the short answer is, is there any way I can tell exactly how many people are subscribed? And the answer is no. I thought it was, and again, going back to the previous content, somebody said, oh, I know, I have FeedBurner. And I was just like, wow, really? You missed the whole, like, FeedBurner is awful, (laughs) you know, comments from 2012? Uh, Because, and I explained to this person, I said, hey, I'm like pretty sure that if my phone is set up to check your feed once an hour, FeedBurner is going to show me as that you have 24 subscribers because I'm going to hit that thing every hour and they're going to go up. Somebody checked. And so uh, I just thought it was, was interesting that we're all, and and like, sometimes I feel like people won't move on. Like there's got to be a way and they're, they're focusing on all this stuff. Meanwhile, their audience is over here going, we need more content. And I just like, Hmm. And so it's kind of interesting that, uh, I guess I guess why I bring this up is the answer is no. Please move on. You know, look at your downloads. Most, if you're doing anything with um, advertisers, most advertisers want to know how many downloads you have after 30 days. It's not how many subscribers. Uh, but there are people that have come up, like they'll take, I think, I'm pretty sure in Apple Podcasts, you get the percentage. And I say, okay, then take the percentage amount because that's only iTunes people, that's only Apple people, take your percentage and multiply it by the number of downloads you get per episode. In theory, that's how many subscribers you have. I've had other people. Nice nice simple calculation. Yes. Yes. Now, is it accurate? I don't know, but it sounds, there's something to do. I've I've had other people say, well, if you take how many downloads you have after 48 hours, because in theory, your subscribers are going to hit your feed probably sometime within the first, you know, 48 hours. And that's how many subscribers. And I'm like, Yep. Okay. That would be, that would be an indicator. I guess whatever you do, just keep it consistent. You know, as long as you do the same thing every week or whatever you're doing, uh, you could get that. But I I guess to me, I just look at downloads and go, that's what I'm using to measure, not subscriptions. And, you know, and the problem with, you know, counting downloads is we have no idea how many people actually listened. Right. You know, there are some things now, I think it's getting better now because so many of these, the apps and things that we're using is a little more, Obviously, if you're interacting with your app, then it's going to tell you that, you know, somebody's listening. Whereas in the old days, we used to refresh our iTunes and download all the episodes and sync them to our iRiver or our iPod. That was a download, but it wasn't a listen until you actually played it. And there was no way to give that feedback. I think nowadays the devices are smarter. That's coming back to us now. But they're still not going to share all. Well, let's think about it. Where are you putting your podcast? Okay, you put it in Apple Podcasts and iTunes. You put it in Google Podcasts. Well, it'll just show up there, right? You'll put it in Stitcher, you'll put it in TuneIn Radio, you'll put it in all these other places, but not all these places are going to share with you their subscribers versus the people who just go to the website and click play. So if you don't know from each and every app developer, you know, how many people are actually hit that subscribe button, there's no way you'll ever know how many subscribers you have. So we got to go back and default to that, that, uh, you know, that little math problem you just gave us, Dave. Yeah. Or just, just like, okay, I'm just going to use downloads. And if they're going up, that's good. If they're going down, that's not so good. Craig in the chat room says, how relevant do you think subscriber slash download numbers are these days? 
perhaps we should be measuring our podcast on the strength of the listener feedback. Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly it. I, I sometimes get, well, Jessica Coverman, when she was doing all the ad sales, she'd be like, they want to know how many Twitter followers you have, how many Instagram followers you, she goes, they want to know not so much about your podcast. They want to, they want, um, what's the word evidence that you're an influencer. That's more than just download numbers. And I was like, Ooh, yep. that that's good to know. Oh, it totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. You know, we used to have the whole problem with Twitter bombing. So that totally, you know, inflated the numbers <laughs> yeah. and downloads don't necessarily mean listens. So if you have, you know, they say, you know, if you hear somebody complain, there's like 10 others right. who had great experiences, you know, it's a multiple factor. Only one person really speaks up and right. it doesn't represent everybody, but it represents a portion. I think it's the same way with a listener who sends you an email or some kind of, you know, a tweet, Facebook post or whatever. They're the ones who are interacting with you. They're more of the upper echelon of your listener fans than the one who's a casual listener or the one who's just trying you out for the first time and hasn't been really, you know, sold on your show. So the, you know, the one email you get represents a hundred people who don't email. That's the interaction. That's, that's the subscriber, you know, you know, what do you call it? The, uh, Indicator statistics indicator. Yeah. The um, number I would go by is how, how do you interact with your audience? How often do you interact with your audience and email? It's like a picture is a thousand words. What? Yeah. And email is a thousand listeners in my mind, maybe not a thousand, but you get the idea. It's a lot. Uh, Daniel J. Lewis from the audacity to podcast mentioned that the whole RSS tracking subscriber things, he goes, something happened in uh, iOS 11 and later that loads the feed a lot more. So he says, I and everyone else saw nearly overnight spikes in feed stats, but no increase in downloads. So again, hmm. that's just um, my theory was that iOS 11's redesigned podcast app loads data from the feed more often, more often than from Apple's own cache. So again, that feed burner number, or uh, if you're using, I think it's Pinecast, Podbean has a thing too, that they track how many times your feed's getting pinged. And that's just, it looks good. It's like, Ooh, but it, you know, it's like saying how many people walked by your storefront Versus how many people came in and actually bought what was in the window. Uh, that doesn't really mean a whole lot. So yeah, I would think if we all only published to Apple podcasts and if the Apple podcast analytics were, were accurate, then we could know, but, but we don't. <laughs> exactly. There's no way. So you can invite friends over and say, Hey, bring a couple friends over for the party too. You get a hundred people in your, in your house for this party. You don't know where they all came from. Now you have to go and talk to each and every person to find out where they came from. Otherwise, you have no idea. Is this one of the friends I invited or is it a friend of a friend that they invited? Yeah. Well, the, the nice thing about Apple Podcasts, if somebody has not listened to your last five episodes, they haven't even sniffed them, it will stop downloading your show. Whereas if if I got the Akron Beacon Journal delivered to my house and I didn't look at any of them, they just keep sending them. It's So that's that's the other thing that always I kind of scratch my head on. We We don't hold radio newspaper, magazines. We don't hold anybody else up to the standard that we have to know exactly what they looked at, when they looked at it. I'm like, we don't hold any other media platform up to this, you know, standard, but for whatever. There are no heat maps for podcast listeners. (laughs) There's not. It'd be awesome if there were. You know, you just, uh, just maybe think about something I hadn't thought about before is, is somebody who subscribes to your podcast, but stops listening after a while they're still counted in Apple podcasts as having been a subscriber that still helps with the rankings right. charts, but they're not a current listener. So is, are they a subscriber? Yes. Are they listening? No, that totally blows the whole, how many subscribers do I have? 
the reason to know that. Yeah, that's that true. Out of the water. If you want to unsubscribe, you there's there's not it doesn't unsubscribe you it just stops downloading new shows. I'm subscribed to every one of my clients' podcasts, but a lot of them I haven't listened to because I well I listen to it basically twice when I'm editing. <laughs> yeah. So why listen to the download unless I have to do a spot check? Right. And I can do that through other means, but yeah, I've got podcasts I'm subscribed to, but don't listen to anymore. And it's, it's always there just in case I want to start up again, but Hey, I've got all the other, other nice new ones to listen to. That's it. Uh, one thing we can talk about here, and then we're going to talk about our awesome supporters. Uh, Steve, I'm assuming you're coming to podcast movement. I believe you mentioned that. I am all about podcast movement. This yeah. month. I did not know this, but I had some people that have said I would go, but I, I, you know, maybe the hotels are sold out. I'm not sure what the situation with that is now or things like that. Or for whatever reason, maybe the room and board is an issue. And I saw Dan Franks post this. If you go to podcastmovement.com slash room share, it takes you to a Google spreadsheet where people are saying, hey, I've got a room. Are you creepy? No, great. Let's share a room. And I'm assuming that's what that is. Uh, Cause I know Illiquity has a, uh, she's in the chat room and she was, uh, she's got like a half a uh, Airbnb or something of that nature. She had something going on where she's like, if you're not creepy, you know, we could split the costs on this. Yeah. She says, I've got an air that I'm sharing from Sunday to Wednesday. If anyone is interested. So, uh, and of course she's from travel gluten free dot me website. So that is um, something I know pod, well, not so much podcasters are creepy. It's generally just dudes. Dudes are, <laughs> fa- dudes are fairly creepy. Y- you never know, I guess, in today's society uh, what's going on. But uh, you know who's not creepy? That's right, our awesome supporters. Speaking of uh, interesting segues, we do this uh, at the beginning of the month. We thank everybody. The rest of the month, we thank those who are uh, at the uh, Patreon account doing $20 or more, you can be an awesome supporter by going to askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome. And you could be awesome like Josh Liston, who does the on the bubble podcast.com, which is about, uh, if you ever wonder, it's, it's shows that were went off the air. He studies the fan, the fan um, campaigns to try to bring them back. So uh, if you're, it's, it's interesting just to see the fandom of that. Oh, of course we have Greg over at depth. Why can I not say debt? Is it, because I, I get hung up on the B, Debt Shepherd. We'll just pretend there's no B there, uh, which is teaching financial wellness. Jonathan Bloom will help you have a great today. Go over to weeklyawesome.com. Glenn the Geek Hebert, who is not going to be a podcast movement. I just heard that. I was like, oh, that's not fair. Over at horseradionetwork.com. Josh Rivers from podcastingexperiments.com. Max Trescott at aviationnewstalk.com, who was nice enough to let me know that uh, I do another show called the history of the band six shooter. And the last episode I was using, I was testing um, Pippa. And for some reason, when I uploaded the last episode to Pippa, I did not listen to it back. The episode was fine. Somehow uploading it uh, was not. And uh, Max said, Hey, do you know, like halfway through the last episode, it just quits. And I'm like, I did not know that. So thank you, Max. Uh, And then Shane from spybrary.com. And I always mention this. uh, There it is who not only has a great podcast, but he also has great coasters. And uh, if you'd like, again, to be an awesome supporter, simply go to askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome. And uh, we thank you to all our awesome supporters for keeping the lights on here at Ask the Podcast Coach. Um, Do any of your, I know most of your clients are financial peeps, so they're probably pimping their financial services. Do any of them use Patreon? 
I believe, yes, actually, uh, the big one that has been doing it for a while and has seen really good success with it is uh, Joshua Sheets with Radical Personal Finance. The guy went all in on his podcast being his product and patron was the way he was getting paid back. It's been doing really well for him. Now, does he treat that like a sponsor? Kind of like we just did? No, actually, it's more than that because he also has the bonus content, Ah. you know, priority listing if you want to call in and ask some questions, things like that. Yeah. Emily, in the tr- uh, I'm sorry, Illiquity says, what's the dress code for the red carpet and the parties? Parties are usually just wear what you are wearing. Clothes generally is the uh, the general purpose. For the red carpet thing, I'm, I am i don't know. I mean, I'm wearing a suit. I'm actually contemplating getting a tux. And I'm like, mm, not sure about that. I got it. I mean, because I have a, I have a suit. Tux, not so much. And then you got to worry about, is it going to fit? That whole nine yards. Uh, but um most of the parties, you just kind of, you go right from the thing, you go eat if you if you actually have time to eat. Is that basically what you do, Steve? Oh, I go wherever the the crowd takes me. Yeah. And I do have something, you know, I do have a schedule, so everybody should look at the calendar that they have. I think you can print one now. What are you, what are you laughing at? I'm laughing at Emily says, oh, tuxedo Emily. shirt and leather pants. That I would put- be a Dave Jackson twist. Absolutely. You should get, you know what? Figure out your measurements and then get a tux rented in philadelphia there's an idea order it ahead of time and then just go and get it the night of and then wear it and then give it back to him the next morning i think she's referring there was i posted a picture recently of (laughs) of me with the skinny tie and leather pants and uh, i can say from personal experience leather pants not a lot of fun they they don't breathe very well and if you've ever seen the episode of friends where he can't get his pants off that's not a lie it's not a lot of fun uh but yeah i usually just go i'm with you it's usually what happens is a session will be over and everybody's like walking into the hallway and somebody will go, well, where are you going? I don't know where are you going. And somebody go, Oh, I'm going to go to the blah, blah, blah. And everybody goes, okay. And we all, it's the, it's the mentality of the crowd. We just, Oh, I'm going to go get something to eat. Where are you going? Uh, da, da, da. Okay. And then everybody, you know, and then you walk into the restaurant and you see the, the waiter and the uh, hostess kind of their eyes get really big when like 27 people ascend on you know, the Chuck E. Cheese or wherever you, you've come. Yeah, well, that will definitely be the problem with any conference you have 2,000 people at that doesn't have an organized luncheon or something like that is finding that place to eat. Uh, the after, or I wouldn't say after events, there's after parties, some of them are organized. There's a lot of those those pre-conference events. Then there's the uh, unofficial meetups. There's a page for that on Podcast Movement. If you're talking specifically about what we're doing at Podcast Movement, yeah, I'm actually doing a meetup for podcast editors. And it's going to be a very casual thing. And I even said in, I've got a private Facebook group for podcast editors. I even said, I'm, I've got a session at 2.30 when it ends. I'll probably answer some more questions afterwards. And then after that, meet me in the lobby. We'll probably start walking over there at four. It's 11 minutes away. That's it. And what, uh, you, you mentioned your Facebook group. It's really cool. What is the name of the group and who is it for and who is it not for? The Facebook group is the Podcast Editors Club, which you can find at podcasteditors.club. <laughs> it's not dot com it's dot club and uh, or you can just search it in facebook podcast editors club and it's for people who edit podcasts whether they do it for themselves for their own show and it's just their own thing or they're doing it professionally for other people like i do and anybody in between and it's really a fantastic active place and you know we're not talking microphones we're not talking content creation we're talking about podcast production the production side of it yeah so if you come in and ask what's the best microphone you'll be politely smacked on the knuckles and asked 
delete. No, I delete it with yeah. no reservation and no apology. I delete it. Yeah. And I, I, every day I'm deleting something because somebody says, Hey, uh, what's the best, uh, hosting service? Delete. That's yeah. not what we're here for. Yeah. Read. Let's talk about Logic Pro and why GarageBand is not a good editor. And let's <laughs> talk about, you know, <laughs> why is GarageBand not a good editor? Oh, because I think it's kind of the ripple delete thing. It just makes it very difficult to edit. Yeah. When I talk about editing, I'm talking about cutting, though we can say editing is more inclusive of things like mixing down and noise reduction and, you know, the conditioning of the audio stuff. Yeah, the uh, that's to me, the when I went into GarageBand and I realized I could not highlight and go delete, I went, OK, well, that's a deal breaker where well, that's enough. Yeah. That's enough. <laughs> For me, I'm out of here. <laughs> Not yeah. to rag on GarageBand, but to promote all the other DAWs, digital audio workstations. But I was doing a webinar every week since like February. And I kind of run out of different DAWs to to uh, highlight. But I'd have a member of the Podcast Editors Club come in and demonstrate their DAW of choice. And one of them was GarageBand. And he showed us how he uses it and all that stuff. About two months later, he posted that he's upgrading to Logic Pro, which is like a super advanced version of GarageBand. Right. How it's so much better. Yeah. <laughs> so even the guy who demonstrated GarageBand moved into a, a different one. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I hear. It's it's like I have people that have said that they're like, oh, I did this. And then I just I whatever it is. I'm not sure how much it is to get into Logic. But when they do, they love it because it's it does all the things the other ones do. I did have a post here. We were talking about Patreon earlier. What happened was there's a, a guy named Alan Sisto. He does the Prancing Pony podcast, and he was confused because he set up a Patreon account and he made some kind of basic rewards. That's the whole thing of Patreon. Like with us, if you you know if you do this amount, you do this, and if you do twenty dollars, you get your name mentioned on every episode. Well, what happened was he didn't make his rewards. Very, like, it's one of those imposter syndrome, maybe where you go, well, man, if I could get 10 people to do this, I would do blah, blah, blah. Well, he's been doing this. I think he said a couple months, he said, but, uh, uh, the, all of a sudden he's like, I've, I've hit all my rewards. I got to come up with a new one. So I would, <laughs> I would say the first thing is don't sell yourself short, but, uh, somebody replied to this and he said, the first thing we did was instead of starting with a Patreon, we waited till there was a pent-up demand for it. And I think that's a pretty good uh, advice there. He says, we started the show in February 2016 and didn't launch Patreon until 2017, even though we were hearing from folks about supporting the show uh, a few months earlier. Then we did a pre-launch video and a promotion on the show and our social media channels, teasing some of the special content and the swag so when we finally did launch, it was a big deal for our listeners. Ended up with nearly 50 signed up in the first month. He goes, now we have uh, 150 patrons and climbing. So boom. Yeah. I, boom. And the, well, the thing I, I mentioned to people is I didn't realize that my Patreon account, I started like three years ago. And so I have a, I have a goal where we just did one where I said, if we get over $300 a month, I will do an extra hour for patrons only come in, ask your questions. And it's kind of like ask the podcast coach, except it's private. And it took me whatever, three years to get there. And, but it's there now. We have a lot of fun doing that. And so don't, uh, you know, and I actually put one, um, Josh listen is using it. I said, Hey, here's, it's almost 50% off one-on-one -on -one consulting. And I'm like, well, nobody's going to pay $125 a month. Well, Josh is, and he's loving it. So, you always make that one tier that you're like, nah, nobody's going to do that because you, you never know 
somebody may actually uh, pull you up, up on, on that. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, oops. Uh, the- Steve, what do you think the monthly charges of a podcast should be? What do you think? If somebody says, hey, how long, does, how much does it cost to, to run a podcast? We know you have to buy the equipment up front, but once it's up and going, ballpark, what do you think it costs? Assuming that they're not smart enough to use your services. They're doing everything themselves. <laughs> hey, they can do it all themselves. That's what I did for the first, well, for the entire run of Money Planet OS. Mm. What does it cost? Okay, so I would recommend the hosting would be, need to be between 12 and $20, depending on where you go. That's a legitimate, it, and it, it's, well, okay, here's the answer you always get whenever you ask about podcasting. It depends. It depends. It is. Because you might only have a show that's two minutes, you know, twice a week or something like that. It's a news report, 10 minutes, three times a week. It doesn't take a lot of space to host that. Then it depends on, you know, how much you compress your files and all that stuff. So starting with the hosting, I definitely think you need to pay for hosting. That's for sure. The service that you get, or if you ever have a problem, the service that you require, you need to pay for that. And it's not expensive. Uh, Web hosting, you should have a website, in my opinion. Uh, that depends on what you need for your web host. You know, do you need just a landing page or do you need something that has something like a member page where you can log in and they get other stuff like a course or something like that? That could be anywhere from three to, well, you can make it up to a hundred dollars. Uh, I hate this question because it depends. It all depends. <laughs> it does. I think at the bottom line, if you're going to run a podcast, you need hosting, you need a website. I can't think of anything else that I'm you have say, to have. I usually tell people it's $30 or less. Because you figure if you throw in a domain, that's like $2 a month. And then you throw in, let's say, $20 for hosting and $10 for your website. You're looking at 30 bucks, maybe, you know, because you don't always need 20 for hosting. And websites are anywhere from $4 to 12 And so uh, that's why I'm always kind of. And then I saw the, the phrase of the person on uh, Facebook that said, as a college student. And I'm like, well, there's the problem. You have no money. He says, I've piled, they, my expenses have piled up over the years and the thought of creating a patron has come up. I host a show called The Rattle, which covers the Arizona Diamondbacks baseball team. What have you guys experienced with patron bin? And that's like I said, for me, it's been over three years. It's a slow burn. You have to treat it like a sponsor. It's not a case where you can put a Patreon button on your website and go, okay, you know, you've got to got to have some sort of rewards or you have to at least tell people about it. You know, would you recommend it? I like the last guy's thing. Wait till people are asking you, hey, how can I, how can I support you? He says, we're getting over 400 downloads per episode on average per week. And I always tell there's a, a book from Jared Easley from uh, the, one of the guys behind Podcast Movement. He has a whole section in there with example after example after example of how in some cases you're going to get 3% of your audience. It just seems to be. You know, here's a guy that did a study. He had 3% of his audience. So if you're doing 400 downloads and you times that by 3%, that's 12 people. And if everybody's giving you five bucks, there's your 60 bucks a month. And so this is where I sometimes get worried when people want to make a living just from their podcast. I, I think in many cases, uh, I would think Steve, in your case, with all the financial peeps, they're just using the podcast as a a marketing arm, aren't they? Well, I think everybody should. Yeah. <laughs> Not everybody, but right. at least in a lot of the business uh, podcasts, it needs to be some kind of a way to get your brand out there. Now, that's different, though, for a show like Stacking Benjamins. His job is creating Stacking Benjamins. 
And his mm-hmm. job is to increase listenership because he is basing almost everything he does on download numbers because he sells sponsorship you know, the sponsors yep. and he does it right. But yeah, if you're just doing a, you know, you're talking about, oh, and here's your $60 from getting 12 people to pay you five bucks a month. Let's not make that the goal. <laughs> right. Because then what are you doing the show for? It's got to be your time is more valuable than 60 bucks a month. It is. Well, that's you need it. To be, yeah. Your I, goal needs to be growing this thing to be bigger than just making your hosting fees. Even yeah. if this is a hobby. Yeah. Because if you think about it, let's say you do, I don't know, a 45 minute show takes you five hours a week to do that. Okay. So that's, that's 20 hours a month, you know, $60 a month divided by 20 hours. You're making $3 an hour. Then that's where I'm like, mm, now, you're on, now you're getting into musician territory. I remember once I did the math on, you know, you played for two hours and you made 50 bucks a person. You're like, wow, $25 an hour. You're like, yeah, but we practiced twice. You know, we, we've practiced, you know, four times to get the one gig. That's another eight hours. And all of a sudden you look like, wow, we made 18 cents an hour for that gig. So don't. Yes, uh, but you can't, you can't book a 3000 seat venue in your first year, right? You're not going to do it. It's a long play. Podcasting is a long play. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you an example of an epic fail. It was my podcast. <laughs> I launched Money Plan SOS as a marketing arm for my financial coaching. I was building a financial coaching business and I made money along the way. But if you added up the hours and did the division like you did, I totally lost money. However, and this is just kind of a weird twist of fate, and it might just be the inspiring piece of information everybody needs to hear here, is that led me to what I'm doing now. Now, it's indirectly how it led me to what I'm doing now, but I am making more now at podcast editing than I did at the day job that I was doing while I was building Money Plan SOS in the financial coaching business. So... You never know where it's going to take you, but don't make $60 a month your goal, please. <laughs> yeah. To, to give you a hint, a, a shade into my speech for the, the Hall of Fame thing, I, I kind of, I've been doing this a lot, taking like the, the big 10,000 foot overview of just where I've been, where I come from. And I think it boils down to this content leads to relationships, which leads to opportunities. Yes. And when you're at that opportunity, if you provide, good content, it leads to more relationships, which leads to more opportunities. And it just over and over and over again. And I think that's exactly what you did with your show. You know, the, the show itself, you're saying, ah, was losing money on it, but that got you into, you know, the Joel Sosi highs and the, all the other, the FinCon world and, and that whole nine yards, which is now, yeah. you know, got you happy as a clam in the basement editing yeah. podcast, man. That's awesome. Yeah, there's no way that relationships piece, if it was missing, there's no way I'd be doing what I am now. Yeah. Not saying that I would be doing something I didn't enjoy, but I love this. And this has become something really big for me. And so other people need to think about that. You know, the the podcast, often I see, very often I see the podcast is not the end game for them. The podcast, it leads them to something else. We see a lot of podcasts, uh, podcasts that pod fade. Maybe they moved on to something better. Uh, Austin Netsley, I'll, I'll use him as an example. This is like, I met him in 2012. He had a podcast called uh, Yo Young Professional. For, I forget what it was called. No, I forget. But he did it for a few years and it got him to meet some people. And it positioned him into a better place where he could then launch this other business, which has nothing to do with podcasting. But it all led to that spot. And he's 
just rocking it, just rocking it. But his podcast was, you know, it was great. And, but it was the, it was the opportunities that he got from the relationships he built by having that podcast. That's it. Addy says James Cridlin, which we'll probably talk about here shortly from podnews.net. It's a great newsletter is pitching that podcasters stop using the word subscribe to grow their audience because he believes it gives the impression it's something to pay for. Is there solid data demonstrating that? And then email and YouTube are popular examples of having you subscribe. That's a great. So let's just, well, I guess we'll just talk about that now. I'm not hey. sure. I, I, the only thing I can say is James has a pretty wide view, you know, from his chair. He works, he's, he's from kind of the radio world. And I don't say that in a negative way, but I mean, he's worked a lot in radio and the BBC. His, his credentials go on forever. He's a really cool guy. So maybe seeing things that we don't, but I, I guess, cause this is where I'm like, ah, oh, dong it. I, I kind of started in the podcasting thing and I knew from day one that they were free. So I'm not sure, you know, if that's a, if that's a problem or not. And if so, what do you call it? Or do you just make sure to say subscribe for free in Apple podcasts? What do you think? If you're going to say subscribe, say subscribe, it's free and you won't miss the next episode. The benefit of subscribing isn't because you get another person who's automatically going to subscribe, uh, get get your next episode. The benefit is that they're going to get your next episode automatically. And so subscribing is the way to do that. And I think it's the, I think it's the appropriate name for it. I do believe that's right. But we have to also then say somehow that it's not going to cost you anything. Right. Cause it's, if we use the Twitter analogy, you know, follow us in Apple podcasts. Well, unfortunately they're going to go over there looking for a follow button and see subscribe and go, that must not be it. So I think that's part of the problem is you have to say the word that's in the app. And I'm not sure what it says in stitcher or I know in overcast, it says subscribe, you know, so I, I don't know. I don't know that that's, it, it may be confusing people who, again, if we go back are coming in completely green, Yeah, but maybe we just need to, you know, that's one of those things where, it's the curse of knowledge. We know it's free. So we don't, why would I even mention that? But to somebody who's like, what's a podcast? Do I need a, do I need an iPhone to listen to that? You're like, Oh, okay, hold on. That's an internet radio show, uh, sir. And and that's fine. Cause there's still 60% of people are in that boat, but uh, maybe we need to do that. The, the article and Steve put a link here in uh, the show notes and I will have a link in the show notes out at askthepodcastcoach.com slash 20, uh, 218 by the time you hear this. And James also says that he's talking about how you, when you have a link to like, there's a, some app called, I think it's breaker. And you know, here's the one for overcast and breaker and Google play and Google play or Google podcast, Google play music, Apple podcasts, uh, radio public, blah, 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 blah. And, and so his whole point is, if we do that, what does that do to the person who's never like is asking, do I need a, a smartphone for that? What are your thoughts? My thoughts are, what the heck are we doing? <laughs> if we have somebody listening to our show and we're saying subscribe to our podcast in, well, they're already in their app of choice or they'll eventually move to one that they think is better because they're not going to hear from you that this app is better than the others. Or if you do, you know, maybe they'll listen to you, but that shouldn't be your call to action. Your call to action should be subscribe wherever you are for free. And I think the best way to do this, in my opinion, is have a landing page on your website where people can go 
They can contact you. They can find where you are on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you want them to find you. But then you also have buttons for, if you want, you get have buttons for each and every one of these apps. But make that at the bottom. You know, put all those options at the bottom. Make your call to action, just like in your podcast, make your call to action prominent. Make it right there. This is what you should do. Don't go to the toothpaste aisle and look around for the right toothpaste. This is the toothpaste you want. It's right here, top shelf, big and bold. And that's the way we need to do it if we're going to have people go and actually try to subscribe to our show wherever they want to go. Yeah, he's saying you should have two buttons, one for Apple Podcasts, one for Google Podcasts. And I'm like, hmm, I guess. Well, make those two prominent. Yeah. Then below that, if you want, you can make all that. I just, uh, my, my subscription to uh, Daniel's plugin, subscribe and follow, is about to renew. And I just got the update on one of my sites, and there's all these new buttons. I'm like, oh, goody. Now I get to go ahead, you know, Google podcast to my list. And now I've got to, you know, but now I think I'm going to do it in a different way. I'm not going to have it in sidebar. That never works. I'm not going to have all of them at the top. I'm going to put a list of them at the bottom, but then have the prominent ones. And I think James has got a point there. The The point in his article, which we put the link into in the show, in the chat room, and you're putting the show notes is drive them to your website or have a play button on your website. So there's a, yeah. another reason to drive them to your website. If they're listening they're probably not on your website already, but if they are, great. And then second is two places primarily where you're going to find listeners. Apple Podcasts, which is the the long, it's it's the old dog in the fight. It's been around forever. Most people are getting listens from them because they made it easy. Or Google Podcasts, which is going to be the discovery channel for people who are just getting into listening to podcasts on an Android. They're the newbies coming into the space. Let's make it easy for the old dogs. And if they're going to Apple uh, Podcasts, they probably have an app that they'd rather go and search for you anyway. Yeah. Or Google Podcasts. So web page, play button, two big buttons there saying, okay, well, here's the two main choices. And then they can go to any of the others that you have. You, you want to listen down at the very bottom. Yeah. The play button is something that I try to have on every one of my podcasts because I've been playing with different themes. And you can put a player in your episode, but then the theme only shows the excerpt and sometimes the excerpt doesn't show a play button. So that's where I will put either in some cases I'll go over to player.podtrack.com and you could put in your RSS feed and it'll give you a play button based on your RSS feed. So at least there's something to click on and play because uh, it was um, uh, Ira Glass did a uh, video a while back with, I, I think it was his mom or somebody was like 80 and he said, go to the website and click play. And that's really in some cases, what we're looking for. It's kind of tough when you have, this is where I was always asked the question, is this a podcast that promotes your business? If so, there better be a play button. I understand if your your website is a business that also has a podcast, that's where things get a little tricky because you might have some sort of... uh, I think it again goes back to what is your main, what is the main reason for your podcast? What is the prominent call to action? If somebody's going to your website, are they there to go listen to your podcast? Because then if they are, then you need to do your call to action within the, the podcast itself. If they're going to your website, because we'll use uh, Dave Chesson, who does the uh, Kindlepreneur, and he has a podcast called Book Marketing Show Podcast. It's a great show, by the way. Great website. Yeah, I know. It's fantastic. He's got this table. I, I, I edited his show and create the blog post for him. So uh, did <laughs> you? I'm using this example. Oh, yeah. yeah. What I, I'm sorry for interrupting you. The thing I love that I got to get into my website's um, it's kindlepreneur.com and I've seen other people do this, but he was the one that I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I love the start here button. 
Mm-hmm. I love it. Cause then you go there and it's like, cause I mean, some of us that have been doing it a while, you're like, Oh man, it's the good news is everything you need is here. The bad news is uh, there's so much content. So he's like, look, if this is you click here, if you're a, if you're doing this, then over here, but, and he, he guides you through his website. And uh, so I didn't know you're the man behind this uh, website. That's pretty cool. Yeah. For the past few months. pretty. Fa- and, and Emily actually does the show notes. I hired her to Emily Prokop does the writing of the show notes for the show. So we team up and nice. tackle this thing because he's, he's rocking it. But anyway, if you go to kindlepreneur.com, you'll see he's got the menu at the top, just like every other, po- every other website, but then he's got the big call to action right there at the top third, sell more books. I'll show you how sign up. Boom. There's his call to action. So why does he have a podcast that leads people who are audio listeners like we are to go to his site and subscribe to this lead magnet or this uh this this email funnel that's going to get you into his ecosystem and he's going to lead you down the path that you wanted to get into because you were interested you listened to the show now the podcast the the site is not a podcast the site is not there to support the podcast the podcast is there to support his site and so if you go down you'll see there's nothing about his podcast at all except the buttons to the podcast so there you go. There, if you're going to be a listener to his podcast, you're not finding him from the website. You're probably finding him from social media. You're probably finding him from word of mouth from somebody else. So the, the, his website is there to support his business. The podcast is there to lead people to his business on the website. I see in the chat room here, Steve, but uh, Aliquity says the thing for me when it comes to monthly expenses, uh, she says, if I wasn't super passionate about my thing, I wouldn't do it. That I think is key. I always tell people you, you need to have that passion because, uh, and you need to have the ability to, to do this for free. And as if nobody was listening, because when you first start, you're paying people, you're paying money to do it and, and nobody's listening. She says, my expenses are more than a hundred dollars a month. Uh, my work time looks like the following. I get up at five forty-five. Ufa. That just makes me tired hearing that with a 13 year old uh, for eight hours, then the gym, then dinner, and then work on my podcast lots of drive and determination. Yeah, you need that. Um, and I know some people get frustrated because they'll hear somebody say, well, I work on my podcast from, you know, six to 10 and somebody go, well, I don't have, I don't have four hours to work on my podcast. You'd be amazed at how much you can get done in a half hour. You know, and if you do a half hour every day, you know, that it adds up. Now, granted, you're not going to be running as fast as the person who's doing four hours a day. But I always say, the easiest way to suck all the joy out of your life. I mean, just open up a giant vacuum is start comparing yourself to others and the joy will just be, and you're like, Oh, I used to have fun doing this, but now so-and-so is doing that. And and just, I, I hate to see that. I've seen that. I remember one time I was working with somebody and literally like 10 minutes ago, I'm like, how's everything going? Oh, I can't believe people are listening to me and this guy and he's going to come on my show and da, da, da. And then somebody in Facebook, like, I just crossed the 250,000 download. And they're like, it's just all the joy went right out of their life. So don't talk downloads, talk interactions with your listeners. Yeah, that's (laughs) That's another reason right there. Yeah. How many of those 250,000 downloads did you hear from your listeners? But if you get 400 and you listen to you hear from 10 of them, what a great ratio. And you're growing that thing, I bet. Yeah. Well, I always go back to, I've said this story before, but when I was a musician, we played to a bar counting the, the bartenders. There was like literally, I think six or seven people 
there was like one table of people in this whole place. And then like maybe 12, if you count the bartenders and stuff, but one of those guys had a birthday party. And at that birthday party, he bought us out of merch. Like he bought everybody a t-shirt. So that was very lucrative. And we played that gig. Like we were playing at the, you know, Madison square garden. We did our whole thing to six people and you'd get done and you'd hear, woo, you know, it's like, that's it. You know, uh, but you're walking out with a lot of cash in your pocket. Yeah. So, so you're laughing all the way to the bank, literally. Yeah. And uh, just to, just to end that story, that bar eventually uh, burned to the ground because uh, it went out of business. Uh, oddly enough, with six people coming in it, and uh, somebody turned it into a meth lab. So there you go. Happy stories all the way around. This is weird. Normally, I would ask what's coming up on your podcast, but I, I do you miss doing Money Plan SOS? I miss podcasting. Yeah. And I think I do miss Money Plan SOS. I just, I don't, I don't have the drive to create that type of content anymore. Uh, but if I can, I'd like to talk about what I'm doing. Oh, go right ahead. You, it's you, all about podcast movement. Podcast movement coming up in July 24th through 26th. I'll be running the podcast pavilion, which is live podcast recordings. We'll have the setups there sponsored by TalkShoe and sure, uh, TalkShoe and Heil. We've got Heil as the sponsor this year. They're bringing PR40s. We'll be having that set up. Uh, I'm organizing that. You got to be in podcast movement to uh, to know where to go to sign up for that. Uh, I'll also be speaking with Emily Prokop and Joel Sharpton on Wednesday at two thirty, and we'll be talking about how to make a living or just making money as a podcast editor. You just and that's you just put up it? a website. That's it, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and then and, at four o'clock, we'll be walking over to that meetup. And then there's the hall room discussions after parties. If you see me there, please stop by. Pull me aside. I'll be in the podcast pavilion the majority of the time. And I'd love to say hi. Yes. If you don't know Steve Stewart, fix that. <laughs> he's a good guy to know. He's easy to find. And uh, he's uh, the, the thing that, that I it's hilarious is when I first got to know you, I was just like every time I turn around there was Steve Stewart. It's like, oh, I'm listening to this show. And then we have a voicemail. It's from Steve Stewart. And then I'd <laughs> go to something and there was a comment from Steve Stewart. And then I'd go to my inbox and there was a voicemail from Steve Stewart. And I was like, who is this Steve Stewart guy? So, <laughs> and then you get to know him and you're like, oh, this guy's awesome. So very cool. But yeah, we are here every Saturday. Askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. I thank you to the uh, chat room. Uh, we are... Uh, we're going to stick around here for a little bit and do some post-show. Uh, and uh, this week on the School of Podcasting, I have no idea what I'm talking. I think I'm talking about uh, imposter syndrome because I've been doing a lot of research on that because that's something we all struggle with. I think I'm ready to to harvest all that work that I've been doing into that. Uh, but thanks so much for listening. Stick around for some post-show, and uh, we'll be back in uh, 17 seconds. This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Changing the world, one download at a time.